often so I may come up with new words that you've never heard before <laughs> just warning you but for the ones that I haven't met yet like Carlos said my name is Raul my wife Pam over there in the back my little Luca and I have two daughters that are not here today but um, uh, again this has been our house for the last uh, few months and it's been a blessing for us uh, and so thank you for having us and uh, I don't know, I think sometimes we rush through being accustomed to go to church. I think sometimes we rush to through what we hear. So Pastor Carlos starts preaching about grace and you immediately, you know, say, oh yeah, grace, I know grace. Uh, I've, I, this is my favorite verse and all this. While he's preaching, you know, we're thinking a bunch of stuff. Last week was one of the weeks that really got my attention. So I would like for, for us to do um, a little recap of what, what he said last week. And I'm gonna kinda piggyback on what he preached last week. Uh, and before I do that, let me, uh, let me pray. Lord, uh, we want to hear your voice today. We want all that you have for us. And, and Lord, I pray that this, this message uh, would encourage someone, would touch someone's heart. And, and Lord, just reveal to them what you are calling them for. Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So like I said, so I think sometimes we rush through, through a lot of things. Like <clears throat> we were just listening to this song this morning. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. And I told my wife, she never tells us how she fights her battles. Have you ever noticed that? She goes, this is how I find my battles. 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 And then the, the other part says, it might look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you and this and that. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe I'm losing the point, but I keep thinking, can, like somebody tell me how, how long am I supposed to remember the Titans? Can someone tell me, you know that movie, Remember the Titans? How long, for how long? And, and, and so we tend, we tend to just rush through things and don't really stop and listen. So I'm gonna do a little recap of what Carlos, Pastor Carlos said. Last time he was preaching about getting out of the cage. And he said we need to get past our hurts, and a lot of us can identify with that. If you've ever been hurt or hurt someone, uh, I think God is calling us to get past our hurts. That The other one he said was that we need to overcome what other people think. If not, we would never step into nothing new because we would always be in fear. And, and fear was another thing that he mentioned. Uh, he said we got to face fear, whatever fear looks to you, if it's criticism, if it's the shame of making a mistake or whatever it is, we need to face fear. We use uh, Psalm 56.3, it's not going to be on the screen, 
and it says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. So the only way that we can face fear is putting our trust in God and then moving forward. Uh, and then he said a couple of, a few ifs that really caught my attention. And that's kind of where I started. And I didn't know I was going to preach at the time, but I just started kind of like, hmm, like that, that resonates with me. He said, uh, uh, if, you, if you're going to live a life that is impactful, uh, if, you, if we're going to make a difference, if we're going to live a life of purpose, we cannot do it from inside the cage. That kind of like bothered me for a while because uh, this is my prayer for this year. Like I, I want to get out of the comfortable zone and do more. I want to do new things for, for the kingdom. And sometimes it is not really like preaching or, you know, doing this all spiritual stuff. Sometimes it's a simple things of helping someone at work, of, of talking to someone that looks discouraged or whatever it is that God calls me to do. I want to be more, uh, you know, more sensitive to what God wants to do through my life. And, and that's a step of faith that I want to do. And, I, and again, we cannot do that kind of thing if we kind of stay on the safe uh, of the cage, you know, just behind the curtains, like we like we say, we cannot do all those things. So that's how I got the idea about sharing about faith and, and, and untamed faith, because we need faith in order to do what God is calling us to do. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, if you do things out of just obligation, it, it loses the blessing. If you help in the church because somebody threw you in and you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk to people. Why am I here? And, you know, people can, can sense that, that you're just doing it for doing it. And so um, we need an untamed faith. And um, that's kind of what I would like to unpack today a little bit. Uh, and mostly the process where we step out of the cage, how, how God processes our faith or how, how, make, how he makes it grow uh, so we can have untamed faith. But um, let me tell you, for, for all this time the pandemic has been going on, I don't know if you noticed, but podcasts has, have been the topic. Everybody started a podcast at home. And so for the last couple of years, I became a fan of listening to a lot of different things while I'm usually when I'm working because I, I have to run a machine and then hit some time there and sometimes it's just running for 10 minutes and those 10 minutes I'm supposed to be you know picking up my area or whatever but nine hours a day I cannot just clean so I started listening to uh, different things uh, I started with of course sermons or worship videos uh, uh, documentaries uh, and some others just for fun like I like to know about people that nobody cares like you know some artists from somewhere in Europe that is being interviewed. It's just, I don't know, it's interesting to me to, to hear to other cultures and hear to what they do and how they do it, even if it's just art or whatever. Uh, also, I like to listen to comedy. Uh, that's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, so I was, last week I was listening to this comedian from Australia. And uh, he, I've listened to him before, he's really funny. Uh, and he said something that kind of made me like stop and say, what, like, what? He was saying, I've always hated religion, that I'd never believe in God. But he said, but now that I live in America, I hate Christians. And I was like, what? 
like didn't see it coming because his topic was not he was talking about other things and then he said i hate christians now that i moved did you know and he started giving numbers like you know that like 70 percent of uh, americans say that they believe in god it's so dumb and this and that so i started listening to him for some reason and of course i think we know what he means uh i think he has terrible experiences dealing with people that say that are christians if you can imagine somebody in that in that environment of celebrities i'm pretty sure he hasn't met the right kind of christians so far and, and so probably his experience is, is what has caused this hurt or this you know hate uh, i'm pretty sure he he's met people that can talk the talk but then he can also see that they don't walk the walk like the saying says and so I'm sure that more than receiving love or truth from other real Christians, he has received criticism, and he's been called names like sinner or unbeliever or this and that. And so it's crazy, but most people that I've met that reject, uh, that reject God, um, they're not really mad at his message. Nobody, nobody will reject somebody that can love you as you are, that can forgive you. Usually, most people that reject God is because they have experiences with people that, that are not representing God in a good way. And so, it, it's also funny because I kept listening to him. And, and again, this is, to me, this is really sad that people have a wrong image of God just because some people misrepresent him. But I kept listening to this guy I wanted to know he, he had something else to say about that. And I was like, why? Like, we're cool, you know, sometimes. And, and, and then he said something that got my attention and kind of made me think again. He, he's, missing, he's missing the opportunity to be free from this. He said, I suffer from deep depression. I've been, I've been had it for years. He said, I always get so nervous before I do a show. He, his show was like in London or something. And, you know, drinking over there is like, drinking water he said before i get to the show before i got here i i got wasted and, and so i'm very drunk right now he said you know what i'm gonna do right after the show i'm gonna go drink some more and cry myself to sleep because god doesn't care about me and then people clap and i was like what and and i just thought of myself man lord help us because Somebody with an audience like that is saying, is talking mess about God without even experiencing God. He's just mad at some other weird people that probably don't do what it's, they're supposed to do. And so I just thought, man, we need, we need the faith enough to, to come up to those people and reach out to those people and, and show them something different. I, I can imagine God having no issues healing him from his depression and giving him hope and, and freedom from being a drunk. But he's not coming to God because other people uh, step in front of that. So I was thinking, Christians without faith, they don't really work. They, they're missing their point. So I try to make a few illustrations to make it more clear, but... Uh, it's like a car that doesn't have any gas on it. I mean, it's useless, right? It's, it's like a guitar. I was just playing the guitar. If it doesn't have any strings, 
I don't care how many buttons he has, it's not gonna sound at all. It's like a bicycle without wheels, it's like a taco without a tortilla, can you imagine? Just throwing your meat in your hand, I'm eating a taco, that's not a taco, bro. And, and I just made some fun ones like, uh, every time I see a teen without a phone, they cannot function. They're, they feel so awkward. I, I've taken my daughter's phone sometimes, and I, I, like, I hadn't seen their, their neck for like weeks now. And I was like, oh, you have a neck, that's cool. Or, or have you seen now, I have a little baby. Uh, I mean, iPad is part of his life now. He, he once a day, he, or a couple times a day, he needs an iPad. And we, we kind of give him to him. Um, a Cowboys fan without drama. I mean, we're not Cowboys fan. It's something, the refs, you know, it was a catch. You name it every year, something's different. A Cowboys fan without drama is not a Cowboys fan. But, you know, more importantly, the Bible says that it is impossible to please God without faith. And it is. Because it makes no sense that you can believe in someone that you can see without faith. And, and really quick, I have a few verses, just uh, definitions and stuff. In the Bible, it says in Hebrew 11.1 1, that faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. So it's this assurance that whatever God said is going to come true. And it is true. Uh, and also faith comes from God. I don't know if you ever read this in Romans 12, 3. It says, by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So faith comes from God. It's, a, it's something that God gives us. <clears throat> and then it is necessary that the, the faith, our faith is tested. James 1.3 says, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So I just mentioned these things about faith so we kind of have uh, a foundation of what we're talking about. And again, what I kind of want to expand a little more is, is how, how God does it to make our faith untamed. There's usually, if you can, and we can go back to, to the fathers of the faith, uh, for example, we can see in Abraham that there was a calling. God, God talked to Abraham and he said, you need to get out from where you are, your country, your parents. You need to go out and I'm going to take you somewhere else. So there's always like, you need to get out of something, kind of like the cage that we were talking last week. You need to get out of something that's God's calling you to do something. And then there's, there's a, we got to follow. And, and the Bible says that the way we follow God is through obedience. And I'm going to show a little bit more on this a little later. But uh, after we, we get out of where we're at, the calling, and then we start walking on what God is calling us to do through obedience, then growth begins to happen. So if you want to grow this year, and I caught myself saying that, uh, it, it's got to be the way God intends it to be, and it's through obedience. It's little by little God tells you, you know, do this, pray for this person, Stop doing this. Stop saying this. And little by little, you, you start walking to where God is going to take you. Uh, <clears throat> another example, it's, uh, and, and let me just read the, the Genesis 12, 1, 3, and I'm just going to cut little pieces. So God tells Abraham, go from your country. That's part one. And then later on he says, 
and I will make you a great nation. So there's going to be transformation. There's going to be other things coming out of that. And, and then it says, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Uh, so like I said, you're coming out of some place. God has led you somewhere else where he wants to take you. And in the process, there are transformation. There are steps that we got to take. Another example is Moses. And I, I want to do it like, you know, in social media. Are you familiar with uh, how it started, how it's going post? All of you? No? Um, so you take a picture, you know, when you're starting to do exercise and you're like all big and stuff. And then you take one like three years later. And then you kind of like turn to the side a little <laughs> bit. And then you... And then you say, how is going, you know? <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that in the Bible just a little bit. Exodus 14, we see this is a how it's going. So we're already past the, the beginning. And we see Moses, it says, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind, wind and turning, turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. And the Israelite went, went through the sea and on dry ground with the wall of water on the right and on the left. So, you know, the how it's going picture for Moses would have been cool with the, the sea parted and the dry land. I was like, how it's going. But let's go, let's go back and see how it started. And I think you've heard the story many times. These people have been in a cage for 400 years called Egypt, and they have been treated as slaves now. And so Exodus 2:23 says, year passed and the king died, but the Israelites continued to groan under the burden of slavery. They cried out for help and their cry rose up to God. So you have a nation already tired of being a slave uh, and, and now crying out to God like, Lord have mercy, like get us out of here. And, and so, <clears throat> uh, you know, Exodus 14, which is right about Moses, um, that's the beginning of their journey when God decided to get them out of slavery of Egypt. And now they're on their way to the promised land that God told Abraham way before that it was going to happen. So, so we see it, it's always, uh, and, and again, I always thought that this is how, why I want my, my faith to grow. See, I always thought that Moses raised his stick and then the water went like... And it says here, if you notice in the text, it says that all that night, the Lord drove the sea back. So it's, it was all night that the wind was blowing and drying the, 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 the land. And so I, I always thought, the way I was taught in, you know, kids' ministry was like, you raise the stick, the water's part, and then they walk. And it wasn't like that. Some, some things take, take time, you know. And that's why we need to mature that we need to pray. Like, see, these people, they were praying for the answer. They were praying for their deliverance. And, and God didn't talk to them. Did you notice that? God was talking to Moses way off where they were. He, he wasn't even in Egypt. He, he ran away. So God was talking to the answer while these people are praying for, for a miracle. So sometimes in our lives, we're praying for something, and just because God is not answering, doesn't mean that he's not working on the answer. And we see it in Moses. So, so it is important that you can be someone answered. Somebody might be praying for something, and you, God has chosen you to talk to them or to encourage them or to help them out in a practical way. 
So, so that's why we need faith, to believe that God can use someone like us and to, to believe that God can just simply chose us to help someone else and make a difference, like Pastor Collins was saying. Again, these people have been in a cage for 400 years, so to speak, and, and they had a promise. God had told them, I'm going to make you a great nation, and through you, all the, na- all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so it got to a point where they, they had to remember what God said and start praying on it and start being uncomfortable with. And I want you, if anything, that you will be uncomfortable today about the kind of cage that you're in. And if you allow me, I would say cages for a lot of us look different. For some of us, it might be a cage of depression, like I just told you about that guy. Other people might be just anger that somebody hurt them. Other people may have just resentment or unforgiveness towards someone. And, or you have become a bitter person. And no one is ever going to be good enough for anything. And we need to get out of that cage. We need to be set free. Um, I was just telling Michael before we started... I'm learning to enjoy what I, who I am and God, what I, where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm in transition, you know, God called me years ago, and I'm not at the promised land, of course, nobody is. But I'm, I'm learning to be grateful. I'm learning to celebrate progress and not just be, I was telling Michael that my, my previous, when I grew up playing, uh, I was playing with a band called Logos, and and we, we were so technical about the music part that it became a culture of me to always criticize myself as I was playing and never really enjoy being in front of people and worshiping God. I was completely missing the point because I was always focused on perfectionism instead of just, dude, you're coming before God to sing to him. And there's people looking at you expecting for you to lead them to the presence of God. And I was never really into that. And, and that's something that I'm in process, that I'm in transition, that I, I, I felt God was calling me to do, like, dude, drop those things. Like, they're, they're good for your growth, but they're not the main thing, you know. Trying to be precise when you play, when you sing, it's a good thing, you know. A lot of you may run away if I start singing off-key or something. <clears throat> but, but it's something that I'm in the process. So your cage and my cage may not be the same one. I'm, I'm, I'm learning to forgive. You know, I, I was hurt, really hurt, about six, seven years ago when I had to, to split my marriage. At, and, and I'm learning to forgive. Uh, it's a process. I might have said that I forgive what happened, but... When I see my daughters struggling through depression, when I see my daughters struggling to get up for school or do things that any other teenager would do normally, that, that's when it hits me. Because I see the effect of what I did or what, I, what just being divorced cost them. They, they told me a few times, you know, you don't know what it's like to have two houses. You don't know what it's like to have two sets of parents and two sets of grandparents here and over there. It's, and, and I will never know. My parents are still married. 
from, they were like 19 when they got married, and they're still married right now. So I, she's, she's, she's telling the truth. I, I have no idea what they're going through. I, I cannot say, oh, yeah, I, I know what you're going through. I, I can't. I cannot identify myself. So, so forgiveness for me, and, and I had to take a step of faith, and, and because I heard, and maybe you're thinking the same thing that, that a lot of us hold. Whatever they did to us, it's unforgivable. They do not deserve to be forgiven. And maybe that's what's holding you back, but when I heard this, it, it kind of triggered me that somebody said, it's true, they do not deserve forgiveness. They don't. But you deserve to be free. You deserve to move on. You deserve to keep going with your life. And that's when it struck me, and I was like, that's true. Like, I don't want to be in a cage hating someone the rest of my life and stop living. I don't want to be unhappy the rest of my life. And so I had to throw it down and say, it's true. Like, she was just being human. Or whatever caused that, we were just being human, and, and it happens. And, and so it took a lot of me, a, a lot from me to, to get to that point, but I, I'm, I don't want to live like a slave the rest of my life. Then you can be a slave to hate or anger or whatever they did to you. You can hold on to that, and it's understandable. I mean, it's, it, it, it is understandable. Uh, some people do things that <clears throat> are uncalled for, you know. Uh, if there's ever abuse in your life, you know what I'm talking about. Like, those people do not deserve to be alive, but God somehow lets them. If you are going through a, direct, uh, a bad relationship or, or there's violence in your home, you're, you're thinking normal like anybody else would, would think. They don't deserve a family. They don't deserve forgiveness. But like I said, we deserve to be free. We deserve to move on. We deserve a life of happiness. And, and so <clears throat> why, why settle for being a slave when we are called to be sons and daughters? Why, why settle for, for being like any other person in the world? If you ask anybody that don't have any faith, what would they do if they were in your, in your shoes? They would t probably tell you the same things you're feeling. Because if we go by our feelings, we would make decisions that anybody can do. It takes faith for us to forgive. It takes faith for us to move forward. So again, I don't know what kind of cage, what your cage looks like, but let me tell you, God, God wants to set you free. And God wants to use you in a way that you will be a blessing to others, not just yourself, but even to others. Uh, <clears throat> if we go to John 8, 31, we, we see the process that it takes to be set free. You know, most people, even not Christian people, uh, you, you would hear this in movies all the time. Oh, the truth will set you free. But they don't read the previous verse. Because it says on 831, it says, If you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciple, so you will be my disciple. So first we have to hold on to what Jesus, Jesus thought and then leave on it. And then he says, so it says, if you hold on to my teaching, you're really my disciples, my follower, whatever you want to call it. And then 32 says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But see, most people just stay on the, you know, truth will set you free. 
whose truth? It can just be any random truth. It has to be God's way. So I, I want to tell you a little story. And um, this is when I felt that I was doing progress in my life, you know, letting go of the past and moving, taking a step of faith. We, we got invited to this trip, um, a mission, witness trip, whatever you call it. And um, it was, so I got married in, in, in July of 2019. And then on December of that year, we got invited to this witness trip with a bunch of other churches from Texas. Uh, and, and the idea was that we were going to go with these doctors and nurses and just serve in the streets. And then other, some of us were, will help with construction. They had like four small, tiny churches that we were supporting. And so somehow over the previous months, they, they sent material, they sent money, and this and that. And so what, by the time we got there, excuse me, they, they already had the materials, and so we just got to work. Uh, we, we help a church have an auditorium. It was a little house, actually, and we turned them into a church. And, and then some others were helping in some youth ministry, uh, building, you know, a patio, and uh, others were doing plumbing in a church, in a big church. And so we, it was really cool. But what, what really touched my heart was my, my, my wife was with me and, and then my two daughters. Luca was not in the picture yet. Uh, so for like four or five days, we, we went to the streets. And part of our assistance to the, to the group was to translate. Because this was a group of Americans um, helping over there. And, and so we would go to the streets. Like they have this little tent they would put on the street. And they have medicines and they have doctors. But people you know, would see white people over there in Mexico. And they'd be like, ah, I don't know what this is for. <laughs> I don't know. And, and this is like four hours from the border, so hardly anybody speaks English. And so we were helping, uh, you know, inviting people. Hey, you, uh, it's kind of mean, but if you would see somebody hurting in the street, you would be like, hey, I see that you're walking kind of funny. You want to be checked on? Or, you know, not, not in a rude way, but just trying to serve the community. So it, it, it took us out of our comfort zone. And, and, you know, I was so excited to see my daughters. They were like 13 and 10. And and little place in Chihuahua, just talking to people in Spanish, and they have this broken Spanish that's hilarious. But they were like, "Hey, you wanna come? Like, there's doctors and medicine, and we can pray for you, and this and that." And and all of us got really involved. And then at, at times we were just working hard, you know, building and putting stucco and whatnot, or just mixing the concrete, which was a pain in the butt. <clears throat> and you know, it, it was a blessing to see so many people touch, uh, like Christian and real life, you know, like practical, like, hey, God loves you, but see ya. It was more like hands-on, like, hey, like, we want to pray for you, whatever. We had a lot of, like, people from the street that were not in their best behavior come to us. There were some days that we had food for them, and so a lot of people came, and we invited them to the different churches that we were working on for their services. And, and so some of them went. Uh, I remember the, the <clears throat> I got to, to talk to a few guys. So, so we divided, like, I can't remember how many. It was like, what, 200 people? Something like that. So we divided each group, you know, different places in the city. 
our group was mostly women, the doctors and the nurses. I think there was one guy that was a pharmacist or whatever. And then there was just a couple of other guys helping in construction and the people from the church. But so they would go to like uh, a little convenience store. Uh, one of us would have to go with like five or six women and walk them to the street and then come back. Well, when we were coming back, there was two, two people really, really drunk and they were trying, they were trying to be disrespectful and uh, you know, flirting with the girls. And uh, so I had to like step in front of them. I was like, hey, how you doing, this and that. And I, the guys stood up and I was like, hey, <laughs> I see. And so, uh, so I ended up just inviting them. Somehow the Lord helped me. Uh, and, and I said, hey, do you have anybody hurting in your family? He was like, yeah, my, my daughter is, is sick right now. And she was like, hey, because he, again, he was ignoring me. He was like, hey, can I have your number? And then when I mentioned that, he changed. He was like, yeah, my daughter is sick. And I was like, hey, we have doctors, and, and it's going to be free. And like, free? And what's the catch? And I was like, there's no catch. I was like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell her that she needs to come. And, and I don't know if she came or not. We were there for a few days. But you can, you can see the difference when, when they can tell that you're being genuine. I, I, I kind of had to pass the offenses and just say, hey, you know, chill. Like, we're not here for that. We're here to serve you and, and help you. And, you know, we have free medicine. And we're now we're going to have food. And, and we're building this place for y'all. And, and so it was, it was, again, it was hands-on. Uh, being so many families being touched was a really, really cool experience in my walk because I, I saw how, how just coming to church is not just about staying in church. It's about going out in the community and making a difference. And of course I was nervous, uh, but I got to talk to a lot of people that otherwise I would have never met in my life. Uh, people from, uh, I remember this, uh, I think it was a guy who looked like a girl and he said, hey, my, my aunt or something cannot, cannot walk. And uh, he goes, can, can you send someone over there? And we looked at each other like, how far is the house from here? He goes, oh, it's just like, see, that's cool over there. Like half a mile. That's cool. I will, I will live in those streets. So that was like the end of the nice neighborhood we were in. And it was like a you know, middle class neighborhood. And then you can see all the little streets, just like dirt roads and stuff. <laughs> what do y'all think? And the, the two nurses were like, yeah, we'll go, we'll go. And so we, I was so scared because I was like, I'm supposed to defend them too. <laughs> Who's going to defend me, you know? And, and we started following this person, and, and he started going through alleys, and then we crossed. I mean, he literally opened a, a fence for the school. Oh, we can cut through here. And I was like, man, this is so illegal already. So we <laughs> cut through there, and I was like, I was getting nervous, and then we get to that place, and that it was an, an older person, an older lady, and, and she was just so happy. She says, I haven't had anybody in my house for years. I can't believe y'all came all this way, and this and that. So she was like, I, I'm always depressed, and I need medicine, but I don't like going to the hospital because it's a hustle, and this and that, and I have to take like three different buses, and, and I'm old. And so we started ministering to, to her, and <clears throat> the, the, the two girls, uh, you know, I was translating for them, and they, they hugged her, and they prayed for her, and it was beautiful. And, and I had to 
again, get out of my comfort zone. I was, you, you have no idea. This person could have taken the three of us with one, one arm. And, and, and then I, he looked like he was on something. So I wasn't sure if he was being honest or he was just going to kidnap us or anything. <laughs> and I was like, man. Uh, but God, God worked. And she was so excited. And we, we prayed for her. And, and uh, they, they gave her the contact to the church. And, and I heard she came that Sunday. And, and so it was a blessing just to see God move when you step out of your comfort zone. Um, I wonder what God can do if you are willing to step out of your cage. It might just be like I just said, and I just heard myself. It might just be comfort. You're just, you're just good. Like, why would I mess this up? Like, I, I work, I go to church, I have friends. Why would I walk out of that? But sometimes it, it is required for us to make a difference in someone's life. Like I said, I was, I, I was, I'm from Mexico. I, I was born and raised in Juarez, magical place. Not for a good reason. We used to disappear people sometimes. Uh, so, so now, you know, I'm in Chihuahua now, again, four hours away, and, and I know the stories, you know, uh, all the narco stuff story, like all the kidnap and all the, the and, uh, and, and these girls are like from the U.S. and they're like, you know, Michigan and Florida. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're so excited. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you have no idea what you just sign up for. Like, I have no idea how am I going to protect you. <clears throat> But they were young, like they just finished their career and they're, they're just trying to serve God. And, oh, this is my first witness trip uh, and it's awesome. It's been an awesome experience. And, and uh, the whole time we were walking, I was like, it kept getting darker and darker. I was like, oh my goodness. <clears throat> but it worked. I'm glad I'm safe. You know, we made it. <clears throat> I came back with two girls, the same ones that I left with. That was cool. <laughs> I thought I was going to have to leave one at least. But I, I, again, I wonder what God can do. I wonder what God can do with, with you stepping out of your comfort zone, with you stepping out of, uh, you know, always being in a bad temper or whatever because something that happened to you 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Y'all looking at me like, how old are you? Okay, five years ago. <clears throat> so just, just to finish, I'm going to ask Caleb if he can come and help me out to close. <clears throat> Play me some salsa or something. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, so, so last Wednesday we met for, for the second semester of, of you know, kicking out our, our, our next season. I don't know, all Netflix. <clears throat> we kicked out our next season of Real Groups. Um, and we had, we had two new guests. And uh, so Pastor, I don't know if half of, half of you are not going to a group. So, Pastor Carlos did like a Zoom video for, for all the groups. And he was explaining to us what the real group is for and then what it's not for. Uh, and, and so we finished all that conversation and, and then we welcome our new members, you know. And we were talking about, you know, kind of like what happens every Wednesday. Ah, we get together, we, we eat, that, number one. And then, and then we have usually a follow-up of the message the, from the previous Sunday. And, you know, we, we have some questions and stuff. And, and we just get to know each other and pray for each other. And, and for some reason, I don't know why, but I heard myself saying, you know, this year, I, I want to grow. 
And when I said that, I, I was telling Pastor Carlos, it, it, it was more, it felt more like it came out of me instead of me saying it. When I said I want to grow this year, I, it felt more like an invitation from God to me that really, a, a statement that, you know, it's the new year, new, new purpose or whatever. It, it was more like God opening a door and saying, if you're willing, you know, I'm willing. If you want to grow, I'll, I'll help you grow. And I, I think it's time for, for a lot of us to, to go through that door that God is opening before us and, and to, to see what, what else is there. Because I've been a Christian for a long time. And again, I was just talking to Michael and said, I, I, I think I lose... I lost so many opportunities of just enjoying what, I, what I'm doing. Like, I'm a musician that, that plays for the biggest and most important audience of all times. And, and sometimes I find myself just doing it as a habit, as repetition, as, you know, thinking of verse, verse, chorus, bridge, verse, chorus. And, and loosen the moment to, to just enjoy the presence of God and enjoy being in front of other people that that are hungry to, to see what God has for them. And I and I found myself saying many times, there's gotta be more. There's got to be more than, than just, you know, getting up to work and making a dollar and putting food on the table. There's gotta be more than that. And, and so I think that hunger comes from with deep within. I don't know where you're at in your life, and I'm not a very good, I try not to mess with anybody or judge anybody. But if you're honest with yourself, I, I think you know that there's more for you. That it can just be it. What we went through, the, all the failures and whatnot, that can be it for us, because God says, he knows the plans he has for us, and they're good. And maybe you're thinking, what I've been through is not hasn't been that good, you know. And and we tend to think, oh, it can go good for them, but not for me. Oh well, God is good for them and powerful for them. But in my case, you know, I, I got people that always say, uh, in in. Uh, when we have like raffles or something, oh, I never win anything. I always, you know, that's never me. I never win anything. And that's just a, a mindset that we chose to believe because it's comfortable. It's being safe of failing. It's being safe of not being ashamed for trying. I think it's time that you and I um, take a step of faith and, and grow and chase what God has for us. And, you know, we're not supposed to be stuck somewhere. You know, stuck water, they always say, after a while, starts thinking. And in our walk with God, if we just stay stuck in the same place, we start thinking. Maybe not the smell, but our attitude. You know, we just go to church. And... I've heard this before, Pastor. That's not the right attitude. God can speak through you. Even I'm not a preacher, and I don't have the schooling that Pastor Carlos had or the experience. But even in something as simple as that, God can, God can talk to you. Because it's not me, it's His Word. 
being read. And so <clears throat> I wonder, you know, the Bible says when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, it's, it's a place that we go through. You're not meant, that's not your destination. That's not the place that you, you want to be. So wherever you are in your life, it might be a season that you're going through, but God doesn't want you there. God wants to show you new things. God wants to show you new limits or new boundaries, I should say. There's another passage that talks about, you know, when we go through the fire and we have different images of what that looks like. You know, it could be just stress. It could be just pressure from work. It can be sickness. Everybody is sick right now. We're working with half of our crew at work. And I hear every company is kind of going through the same thing. But it, we're not supposed to stay here. I can't imagine the rest of my life just being home with a mask and, and just being safe. I think there's got to be a moment where we step out again and we try to reach out to people. We are called to be free and we are called to be the light in the darkness. And sometimes it is the process that requires that that we don't want to be a part of. Because the Bible says if you humble yourself before the Lord, if you hold on to, your, to my teachings like he was saying earlier, if you, if you hold on, I think we, we have gone to, to the wrong things for so long. I don't know if you feel ashamed or something that happened or something you did. And I can tell you, I think 90% of us can relate to you. 90% or I don't want to say 100 because I can be wrong, but most of us have people in our lives that have hurt us or said something at the wrong time. And it, it created a hurt, a wound in us. And I just want to tell you, you can choose to stay there. That's your choice. Or you can choose to let go. And I think God wants us to, to let go. God wants us to get out. 